In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear brothers and sisters, in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father, and Lord Jesus. Amen. There's a funny mock Christmas card that I've seen a few times that depicts a wildly disheveled on the Baptist, angrily expressing his season's greetings by saying, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. It's funny because John the Baptist, whose ministry was especially, we especially remember in Advent and a little bit today on Christmas morning, is such a stark contrast to the more friendly depictions we're used to. Brood of vipers, what a thing to call people on Christmas. Just this last Sunday, we heard John the Baptist say these words to those who had come to see his baptism, who came not out of sincere desire for new birth and salvation, not repenting of their sins and wanting forgiveness, but who came for such reasons as curiosity, I suppose, peer pressure, perhaps, surveillance even, or maybe just to placate the nagging requests of a loved one. Brood of vipers, John said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. John the Baptist was the forerunner of our Lord Jesus. He was sent by God, as the prophet said he would, to prepare his way. He was the last prophet. He was the only prophet prophesied of and the only prophet who pointed with his own finger to Jesus, calling him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John prepared Jesus by laying bare, and with no apology, the guilt of all men. Descended from Adam and Eve who obeyed the deceit of that first viper. He gave no socially charming opportunities for folks to explain how they're not that bad, and how why they might appear worse than they are, but of course, here's why we're not, like we might arrange in our own friendly conversation. And as we broker agreement among friends that we're not as bad as the rest of humanity, and we do that. No, John came to prepare the way for the only savior of sinners and told us to stop doing that. Jesus is the only savior of sinners. And he only saves sinners. John's task was to prepare our hearts to receive salvation from sin by preparing us to come to terms with how sinful we are. Our hearts are prepared to receive salvation when we stop making excuses, quit acting like real life is something different from spiritual life, or that faith is something we can hold on to without submitting to the guilt trips of preachers who don't know us and of parents and loved ones who don't know all we go through. John didn't care. This is real life. God exists. And what if he does? And he does. And he hates sin. You should stop loving and defending and making excuses for what God hates. Now, John cared plenty enough about people as anyone who has the Holy Spirit 
cares, of course. He cared more than the naughty boy or girl is able to appreciate whose pride is hurt and who's embarrassed and doesn't want to listen to any more rebukes because the prospect of being improved or helped for some day far away in eternity isn't as enticing as saving face in the moment. But such a one is blinded to how much someone like John cared. And so he's deaf to how much God cares. But John cared for sure as a faithful prophet who loved the gospel. But in the way we use the phrase today, he just didn't care. How others reacted to reality didn't determine what he would or wouldn't say about reality. He answered to God, not to men. So he spoke what God gave him to speak. God is our creator. He is real. Reality depends on him. You depend on him. So who cares if John cares? Learn whether God cares. That was John's concern and the whole point of his ministry. John was sent to expose hearts and to leave them with no comfort, but the comfort that came from outside their hearts. From outside this world, cursed by and swelling with sin and rebellion, but a comfort having come into the world to save it. And if into the world, dear brothers and sisters, then into our hearts as well, if the way be prepared. John made all roads level raising the valleys and commanding the mountains to be cast into the, to the sea in order to expose our hearts to God's judgments and prepare our hearts to flee to Christ, whose birth we celebrate this morning. Boy, that's real faith he had. To say to this mountain, go. To say to this prince, get. To say to the righteous and rich and beautiful and powerful and influential, I don't care. Repent. To say to those whom he loved and wanted them to love the gospel, to say what he needed to say in preparation for the gospel, knowing perfectly well that he ran the risk of hardening their hearts and turning them away from the gospel, but leaving it to God, who alone works repentance in our hearts. Wow, that's faith. A big part of faith, which preachers need as much, if not more than you, is, is caring more about what God thinks than what anyone else thinks. John came to tell us what God thinks. He was not that light coming into the world that gives light to all men. Jesus was. John bore witness to that light and prepared us to be enlightened by exposing the darkness of sin in our lives. Jesus was that light. He enlightens us. John can't. John didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. John decreases and Jesus increases, as John said, and so it must be. John decreases when the darkness he exposes in us gives way to the light of Christ. John decreases when Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted and preach the gospel to the poor, giving sight to the blind and health to the maimed. So be what John exposes. He wanted his whole life to stop exposing it. He longed to decrease. 
Like any preacher, he didn't want to just keep preaching the law. Jesus increases when sinners find in him the light and salvation they need. Jesus increases when he sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts to know him as our Savior and his Father as the Almighty God, reconciled to us by the blood of his Son. So be the blind and the deaf and the unclean leper, but open your eyes and listen to him who makes you clean. Be the sinner who has no health in his bones. Own it. Be what John proves by his entire ministry. You are. In order that you might receive what God sent to us on that first Christmas. When Jesus comes, then all will be better. And brighter. And more cheerful. No more will John's warnings demand more than we're able or willing to produce. When Jesus comes, all grief must flee before his face, and joy divine must take its place. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus comes, lowly in a manger, no threats, only gentleness and peace, pure joy. Jesus comes to save. And yet see how Jesus dispels any notion that faith can exist without repentance. That he can be received as Savior without all roads being first leveled and all sinners being first silenced. Jesus so sweet and Jesus so mild comes to make very clear that no one will care about what he has to offer unless he first learns to take to heart what John said, and see how eager he was before he spoke peace and kindness, but not just before he spoke peace and kindness, but in order that such a message of peace and kindness might be received by sinners whom he came to see. See how eager Jesus was first to make sure that John's message of preparation got through to hardened hearts. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, Jesus said, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, Jesus said, to those who ignored Advent John and bore no good fruit. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. Brood of vipers, Jesus said. The God who sent John to prepare hearts to, to repent is the same God who sent his son to give peace through the forgiveness of your sins. The same God who to this day blesses our Advent preparation is the God who blesses today our celebration of Christ's most holy birth. The God who shows us our sin and tells us to repent of them is the God who bears our sin so that sinners who repent might be saved eternally. Many gods will show you your sin. Many gods will promise salvation. Many gods will teach you how to despair, and many gods will promise courage. But they're never the same God. 
These gods are invented in the darkness of human hearts. The only true God who saves is the God who shows you your sin in order to show you where those same sins were laid to the charge of his son who assumed our human nature and placed himself under the law to redeem us. He redeemed us by bearing the wrath of God against us and making full atonement by shedding his blood. Only this God who became true man for you also saves you by pure grace. Out of the abundance of one's heart, a man speaks. Out of the abundance of one's heart. What is in your heart? What cares and plans fill your heart? What purpose does your heart have this morning? What does it beat for tomorrow? What has it desired since the last time you were here? What has it pursued? What has it indulged in? Why are you here? To quote John again. What in your heart brings you here? Do you flee wrath? Who told you to? Do you need a savior? Do you desire to praise God for his mercy? Do you have words to speak or sing? What? What will you say? What is in your heart? Whatever answer that now echoes silently in your mind for only you to hear has come from the abundance of your heart. What is your heart full of? Today is Christmas. Today we learn what goodness and mercy and kindness has abundantly filled God's heart from eternity. Of the Father's love begotten, we sang, before the world began to be, the Son of God is begotten from eternity. This doesn't describe something that happened a long time ago. It describes an eternal relationship. We think of begetting as something that happens in time only because God created us to beget in time. That's where we live. He made us in his image. That we beget and bear and raise children gets us thinking that for a father to, to have a son means that once he didn't have a son. But that's wrong. With man, this is certainly the case. Once I was not a father. Things happened. Then I was. But for God, there is no chronology to his begetting. His begetting is in the eternal day. As the psalm says, quoted in our epistle lesson, his begetting is a relationship that always was, is, and ever shall be. His love always is, was, and ever shall be. As the Son of God is defined by his being begotten of the Father, and the Father is defined by his begetting the Son. So also the love that defines their relationship is a love that defines the very divine essence. God is love. God is love that everyone loves, quote, when they want to defend sin and judge shop. Well, no sense if God does not beget and if God is not begotten. It makes no sense if God is not Father and Son. It is an inert, stack and fruitless love if God the Holy Spirit does not proceed from this love, Father and Son. God is love. The Bible isn't being hyperbolic here. 
as though only to intensify how loving he is. Like instead of saying, suppose heavenly, why say this is heaven? Isn't sense really in both but make points if we were to sound like that, you know? But God making more points. Just God is love is intensified love as we know it. But to define love as we otherwise do not know it, it is to speak of what God created is. He is triune. Within God there is one who loves and one who is loved. And this relationship defines God. Who God is from eternity is a relationship of love from which love proceeds and creates life as the Lord and giver of it. God eternal. Love is eternal only inasmuch as God is love. And God is love. When God became man, God revealed love to man. Love became because man was not love. Now, if this seems to bend your mind and stretch it more than seems evil on Christmas, so be it. It is beyond our ken. But we adore the mystery. God didn't become man in order to be understood to come from, but in order to be adored, in order to be trusted in and looked to for every good thing we need, and above all, for the love that we lack. Oh, it is a simple message. But in order to make it simple for us to embrace with our civil hearts, God depends on physical and metaphysical realities and defy the expectations even of the holy angels in heaven who still to this day marvel that he did what he did on Christmas. God who is eternal and beyond all things chose a time to be born of a virgin woman and be limited by all that lets us. God chose to join what he had made by coming what made and bringing into his eternal person the soul of the Father, the human nature he wanted and now assumed. God became man, man to deliver. His dear son now is one with our blood forever. God was born a human child and remains truly human evermore. Boy, it sounds simple because the phrase is so simple, but it surpasses all wonder and imagination. And the only mind that bothers to wonder, the only mind that bothers to see how unsurpassable the wonder is, is the mind who needs it. it reflects and fills the heart by nature. And that desires to be filled with God instead. Consider the wonder. God, against whom all lust, greed, and attitude, and patience, and anger, and hopes, and filthy talk, and mean heartedness, and cruelty, and abuse, and selfish cares, and neglect, whatever it is that fills your heart every day, and you regret the more, and want to escape from God. Against whom all sin is in truth, or warfare, and mockery, and hatred, God who hates sin and damns sinners, and cannot and will not abide darkness anywhere near the holy suppressed God, fills all things, creates for his own little bundle of flesh and little baby boy, born here, makes his into himself so hard to fall out of sin, in order to live a holy life as one accountable to God, and to offer his holy life as a perfect sacrifice, to redeem those who hate him. What a very precious wonder. He is light. He is worth spoken again in the first He made light in his own image, but not quite. 
for light has a life. He is life. He made all the moves and raised in his own image, but not. For life has no light. He and his father in love converse. Let us make man in our image. Let us make him living, but let us also make him in light. Let us make not just an aspect of our image, but a mirror of our image. Let us make one who knows and loves us. Let us make two who know and love us, but let us make them one, like us, so that they might beget and bear many beyond counting whom we will love. Let us make what we will have communed with us in our eternal lest them know what makes us what we are as the one true God, love. When the devil deceived man and woman in the garden by taking the form of a snake lying to them, he taught them to love themselves and serve themselves. Those is what makes, what it means to be God. And so the image of love divine was lost because a serpent lied about what it means to be like God. Soul love. The serpent and the love with we were created in love seeks our own rather than that seeks God in each other, and his venom still courses through our veins. His venom is still in our hearts. His venom is falsehood, deceit, sin, and death. And we're born dying because we are born with this sin. We need Jesus' birth. We need the birth of God who made us and who joined what he made to save us. We needed God to prove again what love is, to show us what it means for God to be God. He came to serve us, not himself, and that's what it means to be God. He came to love us by being the eternal with himself for us. Out of the open heart, the mouth is such as Jesus unto God's heart toward you. The word became flesh. He gave his dearest treasure. Behold his glory. It a glory of peace on earth and God's good the Lord, all children of men. His glory is found in life yieldedly and obediently to the law that we have broken. His glory is found in the death he died in our place under the law that condemned us. His glory is found in mercy he seeks to you, your sins are given. In his word Jesus toward us this morning, we see and receive abundant God, even as it is for us each to enter the forgiveness of sin. It is his heart that to you, it is the body of blood that born Mary, and that all our sorrows did carry. So no matter what fills your heart, no matter what makes you afraid and overcome with guilt and dread, dear Christians, remember what fills God's heart and what filled it from eternity. It is this that he expressed so plainly for you when from the abundance of his heart the word became flesh for you. He came to, so that you might be saved from the sin in your heart and not be afraid. If what is in your heart scares you or causes you to know what John, that John was right, then see what he prepared you for and know that God is right. God is right. He sent his son to make this eternal love known to you and to bring you back into the love of God, which is God himself, and he is right. He gives you new birth, not by your own will or by the will of any man, but by the will of God. He washes all your sins away. Because for once we're all back to join him, who is an ever-flowing fountain of mercy towards you for the rest of your life. This is what God has wanted, to get you again. This is what God wants now. Treat you like a son and heir. 
By becoming your righteousness and paying for your sins, Jesus crushed the viper's head, whose venom ruined our hearts. He heals our hearts. He heals our peace. He teaches us to love again, and by teaching us know Jesus. He pours the blood of his heart in our own, so that my grace is coming. So come, come to his heart is constantly poured out, as often as your own heart is empty. And all the more when your own heart is filled with regret and grief and shame and wickedness. Come to hear the word of him who is the word by whom you were made. He is also the word by which you are saved and prepared for everlasting life. Thou Christian heart, whoever thou art, be of good cheer and let no sorrow move thee. For God's own child in mercy mild joins thee to him. How greatly God must love thee. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ unto eternal life.